0: Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Seraphine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress? Really? Progress, really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy. Give Progress, really, a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com. S E R E F I N E.com. Order your copy. Today. This is not a drill. This is not a drill, General. General You have just entered Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of Independence. Here he is, U.S. Navy veteran, author of the book Progress. Really? And your freedom-loving host, Peter Seraphine. Hello, welcome to Liberty Lighthouse. I am your freedom-loving host, Peter Serafine. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, at P. for both. You can check out the show's website, liberty-lighthouse.com. From there, love for you to click the send a voice message button. Also, added a new forums page to the liberty-lighthouse.com website, but more excitedly, the new way to reach the show is our new phone number, 64 my rights. That's six four six nine seven four 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 eight seven. Leave me messages. I will put them on the follow up to this show next week. Today we're going to talk about congressional term limits. Got a whole bunch to say here, and I have to tell you that during my research, my opinion of whether or not we should have Congressional term limits actually changed. We'll get to that later, but first, let's talk about what we mean by Congressional term limits. Most Americans, myself included, agree with Mark Twain when he said, politicians and diapers should both be changed frequently, and for the same reason. Different polls show that anywhere from 74% to 82% of Americans believe that Congress should be limited uh, to how many terms they can serve in their congressional seats. The idea of limiting terms for, con- uh, for congressmen actually gained so much steam earlier in, uh, well, later in the last century, uh, late in the 20th century, that by 1995, 23 states had passed laws within their state limiting number of terms that the congressman from those states could serve in Washington, D.C. But in May of 1995, the Supreme Court ruled uh, five to four in the case that was U.S. Term Limits, Inc. versus Thornton uh, that the term limits laws were unconstitutional, so they threw away those term limits laws that were already in place in 23 different states. Now, Since 23 different states already had these laws, the members of Congress thought, well, maybe we should try to pass a constitutional amendment in order to have congressional term limits. The only way it can happen, since the Supreme Court judged term limits unconstitutional, the only way that we can have term limits in our country would be to pass a constitutional amendment. So, in 1995, three different attempts were made to pass a constitutional term limits amendment, and all three of them were defeated in the Senate. So now we are, you know, 24 years later, and Senator Ted Cruz has proposed yet another term limits amendment in 2019. He also uh, proposed one in 2017 that obviously did not pass. And there is absolutely no hope of Senator Cruz's new uh, constitutional amendment getting passed through Congress either, because our current Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, has said that he won't even allow a term limits bill on the Senate floor for a vote. That's uh, really going for what the people want, right? That's that's supporting your electorate there, Mitch. Up to 84% of the U.S. citizens want congressional term limits, and you're not even willing to put it on the floor for a vote that. What a way to support your constituents there. So if the Congress will not pass an amendment for congressional term limits, what other choice do we the people have? Not a lot of people out there understand the uh, Article 5 section of the U.S. Constitution, but Article 5 spells out how constitutional amendments can be made. And historically, they always go through uh, go through Congress, pass by both houses of Congress by at least a two-thirds majority, and then have to be ratified by 75% of the states, which is 38 states right now. And that's how they've all been done in the past. But there is another way spelled out in the Constitution, and that is referred to as a convention of states. Right now, there is a pretty big movement by COS Action, or the uh, Convention of States Project, to call for a convention of states. They want a lot of things, and one of the things that is, has been suggested is term limits. There are many people that are concerned about a convention of states. They're worried that the state legislators will appoint people, and they'll get there, and they'll do the, the convention of states, and they, the proposed amendments that come out of it will just wreck our Constitution. Anything that the convention of states proposes still has to be ratified by 75% of these state legislatures or uh, state conventions. So, I mean, they still need the support of 75% of the states, or 38 states, to get passed. That's after having at least 34 states support and call for the convention. The states have the power to appoint the delegates that they send, and the ratification process, once uh, proposals are made, is still the same. So, I really think that that fear uncalled for. If you're a big fan of term limits after you've listened to this entire episode and you still want to push forward for term limits, well, a convention of states is probably your only bet. But with such a large majority of Americans wanting congressional term limits, why would Congress be so opposed to it? Why has it never been passed? And why is there absolutely no chance that it'll pass now? Well, a simple reason is that our Congress... People, congressmen, congresswomen, all work on a seniority basis. So the longer that they are in Congress, the more power they accrue as they're there. Junior members don't really get to do a whole lot. Senior members get to do everything. Congressional seniority is a fact of life in Washington. However, in my personal opinion, it kind of goes against the idea of equal representation. But that's not really for this episode Another reason that Congress might not want to pass term limits, well, 60% of the members of Congress have been able to grow their net worth at a rate much faster than the general public of the United States. So much so that 50%, half of U.S. congressmen, both, both the Senate and House of Representatives, are millionaires, even though only 1% of the general population of the United States, are millionaires. So 50% of Congress, 1% of the public. Now, when you take into effect that the members of Congress make $174,000 a year, how they would become millionaires becomes kind of questionable. I don't know that there is a legal, moral, legitimate way that you can take $174,000 a year salary and turn it into a over million dollar net worth or in the case of Nancy Pelosi like $26 million. So that brings up the seniority thing again. The longer our congress people stay in Washington, the better they get to know all those lobbyists and political action groups. The better they get to know those right groups, the more money that gets flowing their way. There are currently 79 members of Congress that have been in office for at least 20 years. I bet almost all of them showed up to Congress that first day when they were first elected over 20 years ago with all the hopes and dreams of changing the way things work and simplifying government and some of them probably even wanted to make government smaller again. After 20 years of hanging around with lobbyists and vacationing with lobbyists and eating fancy dinners with lobbyists, 20 years of being wined and dined by people with what seem to be endless pocketbooks, 20 years when they haven't had a real job out here in the public sector, 20 years with a million dollar staff underneath them, 20 years of people trying to buy their votes. Do you still have faith that they're there for the same reasons of when they got there? That they're there to make the world a better place? I don't have that faith anymore after they've been there for that long. And polling suggests that most Americans don't have that faith anymore. So that's how we got to where we are now. Half of our representation in Washington is millionaires, when not many of us out here voting for them are. They haven't had real jobs out here with us for decades. That certainly isn't how it started. The first founding fathers, the first many Congresses, they all had real jobs out in the real world. They were businessmen and farmers. They went to Washington and legislated out of civic duty. They were paid per diem, meaning they got paid for the days that they were there in Washington while Congress was in session. And that was it. They weren't paid enough to become career politicians. They had to have careers outside of Washington. That that lasted until 1855. In 1855, Congress voted themselves their first permanent salary. They decided that, I guess, they were working too hard and that per diem wasn't enough. And so they gave themselves $3,000 a year. Well, $3,000 a year in 1855 works out to be about $88,000 a year today. But I said earlier that Congress makes $74,000 a year. So not only did they give themselves a salary, but over the last 150 years, they've decided that they need to make double what they set it at in the first place. That's just their salary. That doesn't include all their benefits. Contrary to popular belief, they are not paid for life. They don't have some Cadillac retirement plan. They have the same retirement plan that I have in the post office. It's FERS, the Federal Employee Retirement System, or something like that. But there are some pretty sweet benefits to being in Congress. Each congressperson gets $900,000 a year to pay their staff up to 18 full time employees, they get another quarter million dollars for their office. And they've obviously found other ways to make a lot of money, too. So These are just some of the reasons why so many people think that we need term limits. We elect people to office, and then we just keep re-electing them and re-elect them? Well, ad nauseum, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, like me, that think we need to turn over those congressional seats a lot more frequently than we do. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I've changed my mind about congressional term limits. I don't think we need the constitutional amendment to put term limits there. And I'm going to talk later in the second part here about why I think that's actually a bad idea. But what we can do, even without the constitutional amendment, is start paying attention to the voting records of the members of Congress. Start paying attention to what they're actually doing. And if they're not doing what you want them to do, vote them out. We in this country turn out much higher numbers to vote for our president than we do any of our Congress people. But it's the Congress people that write the laws. The President really doesn't have any power to write laws. He yes. has the power to sign them or veto them, but Congress is the one that can go above and, and surpass a veto. So we really need to pay closer attention as a people to what our Congress people are doing. After the Constitutional Convention that created our Constitution, somebody asked Ben Franklin, what form of government have you given us? And his answer was, a republic, if you can keep it. We're not doing a very good job of keeping it. We have allowed ourselves to be the subject class beneath the ruling class of our elected officials. All because we as a people have become too lazy to look at voting records. So, even though my opinion about whether or not we should have a constitutional amendment mandating term limits has changed, I still believe, like Mark Twain, we need to change our politicians and diapers often because they're both full of sh. Okay, that's enough for now. I'm going to take a break. When we come back from break, I'm going to talk about why I think a constitutional amendment is a bad idea and how I came to that conclusion. Reach out to the show. Click the send in a voice message button or call us at 64 My Rights. That's 646-974-4487. Leave me messages. I'll put them on the next show next week as a follow up to this one. Be right back. Okay, welcome back to Liberty Lighthouse. Peter Serafine, follow me on social media at P. Serafine. So like I said earlier, I don't think that a constitutional amendment requiring term limits for Congress is a good idea anymore. And I'm going to talk about why here in this second segment. I still believe we need to turn over the seats in Congress far more frequently than we do. I just don't think that we need to do it via a constitutional amendment. I basically have two reasons why I don't think it's a good idea. One is the lame duck session. And the other is what Congress people usually do after office. So let's talk about the lame duck session. In any elected official, when they are on their final term, once they've announced retirement, or in the case of a president, once they've won their second term, well, they don't have to worry about being reelected anymore. That's when a lot of them decide to, Forget about what we the people want and they start pushing whatever it is that they want personally for themselves, whether it's for their own personal enrichment or whether it's some project that they didn't get past before. Now they think they've got a chance. They can burn all their bridges. It doesn't matter because they don't have to be reelected. So they can spend an entire term with no fear of the ballot box doing whatever they want with no repercussion to worry about. Pretend for a minute that we have a constitutional amendment that says that our House of Representatives can only spend two terms in the House and our Senators can only spend two terms in the Senate. Well, unless that House of Representatives member on their second term thinks that they're going to run for Senate next time around, well, they're probably done with politics. They can do what they want. No fear. Same goes for the Senators. They've got their second term. They have six years to decide what they want to do. And they don't have to worry about us. Or they don't have to worry about their constituents at all. Pushing their own personal agendas for six years. We've got enough of that going on in Washington already. If we remove the threat of the ballot box, how much more is there going to be? Is it really worth that risk? Do we really want the people with the power to write our laws to be doing their jobs for an entire term with no fear okay so that's the first reason the lame duck term of office the second reason is what do most politicians do when they decide to retire from politics most of them become lobbyists they go working for the same people that have been winding and dining them they take all of their political connections, all the power that they had while they were in office, and they parlay that into some big fat paycheck for some group that wants to get something accomplished in Washington. So if we've got a constitutional amendment limiting all of our Congress people to two terms, now we've got more people working out there as lobbyists. More people that are probably the bigger crux of the problem than the term limits themselves. They just go from being the crook receiving the money to the crook giving the money out. With lobbyists already being a big part of what's wrong with Washington, D.C., do we really want more people that understand the inside of Washington, D.C. out there being the lobbyists? And I mean more, as in a lot more. Think about, say, like Nancy Pelosi. I said she's been in office for 28 years, I think. So if there was a two-term limit, that means she could have only served a maximum of four years in the House. That would be 24 more years. Her seat would have been held by six other people. That means six more lobbyists. When Ben Franklin said that we were a republic, if we could keep it, those were very wise words. If we could keep it. How much do the House of Representatives really represent we the people anymore? How many of the people in Nancy Pelosi's district also have twenty six million dollars and haven't had a real job out in the world for twenty eight years? Is she representative of the people from her district? Does she fight well for the people from her district? I don't. I really don't mean to be picking on Nancy Pelosi. She's just the one that's in the news a lot pick up this information from. But the same goes true for any member of House that's been there for so long that they are no longer connected to the people that they were sent to Washington to represent. A republic is a government by representation, and it's we the people that are responsible for electing our representatives. We're not doing a great job of that anymore. We have lost our republic ourselves. It is our fault for not paying closer attention to who we elect and what they do once they get there. We already have the term limits in place that we need. Those are called elections. The ballot box is how we need to do our term limits. But that only works if we, the people who are voting, pay attention to what the people we're voting for are actually doing while they're in office. Get rid of the ones that aren't doing what you want them to do and put ones in that will. So those are the two reasons that I've changed my mind about a constitutional amendment requiring term limits. I think the term limits need to be the ballot box, and that is new for me. I was a big believer that constitutional amendment to uh, limit the terms of our congressmen would be helpful. I now think it would be hurtful. But there's another reason. There's a third reason that many people use as an argument against Uh, a term limits amendment, and that's the continuity of government. There are a lot of people out there that think that having members of Congress that have been around for a good long time is a good thing because it keeps government flowing. It keeps everything working. keeps the machine going. But is our machine really going? I mean, I personally think the continuity of government is a problem right now. The continuity they... They can't pass a budget on time. They drop everything and grandstand on partisan lines rather than sitting down and working with the other party and doing their jobs. So, I mean, continuity of a broken system is not necessarily a good thing. I think the continuity of government argument is probably one of the most common arguments against term limits for Congress people. But I think it's a bad argument against term limits for Congress people. Do you really want the continuity of being $22 trillion in debt and rising? Do you want the continuity of government shutdowns because they won't work together to pass a budget? Do you you want the continuity of the partisanship that has ground our government to a halt? The continuity of government that, I don't know, doesn't actually write a whole budget. They could keep passing individual bills and continuing resolutions, but it can't even do that on time. Or the continuity of government that puts pork barrel spending and earmarks on everything. Oh, so anyway, in short, um, continuity of government is an argument against term limits. However, it is not an argument that I subscribe to. I think that's actually a bad argument. Well, that's about all I have time for today. Thank you for listening to Liberty Lighthouse. And if after listening to all this, you still think that a constitutional amendment for term limits is a good idea, then okay, we can disagree. Go to uh, cosaction.com and look up the Convention of States project. That's probably the only way a constitutional amendment for term limits is ever going to pass. If you already thought that constitutional amendment... For congressional term limits was a bad idea, or if I changed your mind and you now think that it's a bad idea either way, well, we got to do our civic duty and pay closer attention to who we elect if we want anything in our broken federal government system to change. They work for us. We don't work for them. They're not our leaders. We are their leaders. But we're not paying attention. We, the people, have to pay a lot closer attention to who we put in Congress if we want to have any hopes of saving our rights and protecting our liberties. As always, click the uh, like, subscribe, share, follow button. Tell everybody you know about Liberty Lighthouse. I appreciate it. Also, click the send a voice message button or call the new phone number 64 My Rights. Leave me some messages that we can add to the follow-up episode next week. After that follow-up episode, the next topic I've got on the agenda is a balanced budget and a balanced budget amendment and whether or not that's a good idea and why it hasn't happened yet. So, until next time, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America.